Our objective at the Association of Sporting Directors is to support, develop and connect our members who are spread out across the globe and all bring unique skills and experiences to the role of sporting director. In addition to our in-person events and our online networking sessions, we are really excited to bring you a brand new podcast series covering key topics generated by the membership and central to the future development of the sporting director role. Season one focuses on effective decision-making and is brought to you by Paul Musa, host of the What The Footy podcast series, who spoke to five ASD members, including Mark Cartwright, Zoran Cronetta, Matt Jordan, Greg Broughton and Dan Ashworth. Some fascinating insights from practitioners working at the heart of the professional game. Looking forward to these. Over to you, Paul. Welcome to the ASD podcast, Matt. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Paul. I uh, thank you so much for the invitation and I'm really happy to be on with you today. No, it's exciting to have you on here, Matt. Really, really looking forward to speaking about your journey, your experiences of being a technical director over in the States and then being a part of the Trivella Group who recently acquired a controlling stake in Warsaw Football Club. But Matt, our theme for the year for the ASD is effective decision-making. So I want to know what is the toughest almost challenging decision that you've ever had to make in the role okay well you're jumping right into it okay all right <laughs> well what i can tell you paul and and um i mean like obviously the you know the role of the sporting directors it's a it's it's a role that brings something new every day it's it's a very demanding role it's a very challenging role you know looking at your first question I mean, look, an easy thing to be to say is, you know, when you're going through an ownership change or going through a, a head coaching change, those are all challenging moments that you need to navigate an organization through. I would say myself personally, one of the more challenging things that I've ever really had to lead through was the pandemic. Um, I'd say that, you know, what was really challenging about that period is that, you know, really shut down world football at that time. Um, and the hardest decisions that I personally had to make in that moment were who, you know, we had the mandate to lay off 20% of our, of our company. Um, and so really making really difficult decisions to lay off, you know, a, a good portion of our technical, technical staff, while at the same time, you know, navigating through pay cuts and then asking everyone to, to work extra hard, you know, to put in more hours to just navigate through you know, what we were all dealing with um, and, you know, the health risks and and then rolling that into in, in North America and Major League Soccer, you know, we brought the teams down to the MLS bubble as, as you saw with the NBA and Major League Baseball. And so it was a really, really challenging time to make a lot of really hard, uh, difficult decisions. And so I'd say that was that was probably the, the, some of the toughest decisions that I've ever had to navigate through as, as a sporting director or, or vice president, general manager. And the real challenge, Paul, was that there was no playbook for any of it, right? We were all we were all navigating through the challenges of, of what what that presented for world football. And so I'd say that's probably some of the most challenging decisions I've had to make. No, for sure. And even just sort of looking into yourself and, and your experiences so far, I I personally think one of the most challenging decisions that you've had to make is when you were at Montreal and you were trying to sort of lead that expansion into the MLS, just sort of talk to me at the time about the strategies that you had in place in terms of building a sustainable football club who, who could who could go on to compete in the MLS. 
Yeah, that was, I mean, that was an incredibly um, uh, uh, rewarding process. Um, it was a very heavy lift, I can tell you that. And I think the big challenges that we had in Montreal, Paul, were we, you know, Mont the Montreal Impact had been an existing team, a very successful existing team in the second division for very for a very long time, winning multiple championships. I was fortunate enough to be a player for them and, and had a lot of success as a player there. So really, I'd say that some of the biggest challenges we had was blending you know, the history and tradition of, of the impact of what we were, but also preparing for the realities of Major League Soccer, which was a much bigger beast. Um, you know, and so I think for us, it was really important. We had a really great core of, 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 of a leadership team um, that really cared about the club, that was totally dedicated to the club. Uh, I think that, you know, what was really important for us is to really sit down from ownership with this Joey Saputo and the Saputo family and, you know, map out, okay, what are our expectations from the start? And I can tell you, you know, Montreal, I'm not sure how much everyone knows about Montreal, but it's it's the most European city in North America. There's a strong French, Italian, Portuguese, um, you know, French French speaking African contingent as well. We look at, you know, a, a lot of a big population from Senegal, Ivory Coast, Algeria, Morocco. So, so really what was important is to implement a strategy that fit that market. And it's a very, it's a very high pressure, high expectations, uh, very demanding market. So, so we really had to sit down with Joey, the, our owner and the, and the Saputo family and say, okay, what are our expectations? The expectations were to win from day one. So we really needed to, to build out our team, our staff, our infrastructure with that goal in mind. Um, and it was it was definitely a heavy lift, but it was it was something that I'll never I'm, I'm forever grateful for that that opportunity because I learned so much from doing things well. Also, you know, you make a couple errors along the way as well. But overall, it was a great experience. And, and I think we did a great job with that expansion process. So just just sort of following on from that, uh, some of the points that you mentioned there, Matt. I think one of the big things that stood out to me um, just sort of looking into Montreal and some of the things that you mentioned there was obviously the head coach that you put at the time was Jesse March, who has gone on to be a part of the team at Salzburg and, and, and the Red Bull set up over there and then coming over here to Leeds, uh, Leeds United as well. Just sort of talk to me what your relationship was like at the time being technical director and working with Jesse and as, as the sort of the head coach then. What did you see in Jesse as, as a head coach at the time? Well, you know, that was, Jesse was, was a very passionate, hardworking, uh, up and coming coach. And, and it was, it was a very extensive process to bring him to the club. And I'm look, I'm not surprised that at the success Jesse's having, and I'm incredibly happy for him and the success he's had in Europe and at Leeds United, you know, he's really been a trailblazer for American coaches. And so, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I know I can speak for a lot of people in Montreal. I mean, it's, you know, there's a lot of pride that you were, you know, you were kind of uh, an organization that that gave, you know, such a such an ambitious coach that first opportunity, um, you know, and there were good moments, there were challenging moments, but at the end of the day, I mean, I look back at that as, you know, it was a positive process and, and I couldn't be happier for Jesse, how well he's doing. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm definitely, and I know everyone, I speak for everyone here in the States that's working in football. You know, we're all really excited when when he's able to to win a big game over there. 
You mentioned challenging moments and in those challenging moments when results aren't going your way, because as we know in football, football's all about results and, and getting them and you're not going to win every single match. But how do you almost think long term and think big picture, but but also recognise that, OK, we're, we're in a moment here or, or we're currently in a phase here and we need to kind of pull together as a team and as a department to, to, to really try and push things forward? Well, I think that's that's the one of the biggest challenges when you're in any football leadership role, right? Is how do you manage the the grind of the day to day, the week to week, the game to game with okay, what the long term strategic planning and sustainability of the club, right? Because you know there's so much pressure to win, you know, week to week in football in in this industry, and so I think that's the biggest balance that that the role of of a sporting director or a vice president, general manager has is is finding that balance you know and 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 understanding okay hey this this is necessary this this big decision is necessary in this moment uh but at the same time are we sacrificing you know long term you know that could really hurt us down the road right and so i think that's the biggest role that all of us in leadership football leadership roles face is just you're constantly analyzing you know, adjusting, pivoting, readjusting. I mean, there's a, it, it's definitely a fluid situation, but, but as long as I, I really believe when you have good people and you have strategic alignment, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing, Paul, that's really important is that strategic alignment from, from ownership to, to the, the board level, the executive level down through into the, you know, into the, the head coach department, right? When you have that strategic alignment, there's going to be good days. There's going to be bad days. I mean, that's just the reality of what we do. But I think that, you know, as long as is, is, you know, in the high moments, you never get too high. And in the challenging moments, you never get too low. Right. And you're able to kind of stay steady, um, you know, because it's, it's, it's rapidly changing. And so I think that that alignment is really important, Paul, when you're dealing with those moments, you just, that you just alluded to. Yeah, and just sort of focusing on on that word alignment because it's it's a word typically that I hear a lot of people sort of in your position speak about all the time in that sort of leadership sporting director position. Just just sort of talk to me what that looks like within the multi club model framework because we're seeing a lot of professional investors come into the game, whether that's Redbird, whether that's Elliot Management at all different levels across all different types of leagues across the world. Obviously, I think you had a little bit of a taste taste of it at Montreal, obviously working with Joey. You also owned Bologna as well. And now you're with Trivella Group as, as the VP of Global Football. We'll sort of delve into, into all things Warsaw. But just sort of talk to me in terms of that alignment and that structure. How does it sort of work? How often are you communicating? How often are you sort of meeting to, to really discuss things? Is it every every Monday after after a game on the weekend? Just sort of talk to me and break that down. Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, I'm, I was, I'm very fortunate to, you know, when I was working in Montreal, you know, Joey Saputo, our owner at that time really was, was amongst the first in North America to have the foresight that this, you know, that a multi-club ownership group model, you know, is, is the way of the future, you know, and, and at that time, a lot of things happened, but Marco DeVaio had come to the Montreal Impact and that was kind of a big first step, you know, for us, um, he had come from Bologna and, and that had opened discussions with Joey about, you know, about potentially acquiring the club. So that was a great experience, you know, just to, to, to get my feet wet, um, with that multi-club ownership group model. Um, and then when I came to work in Houston, um, we were 
you know, at that time I was working for AEG Anschutz Entertainment Group, who owned the Houston Dynamo and LA, the LA Galaxy. And then after not long after I came here, they had this the league asked them to sell sell Houston. And one of our minority owners, Jake Silverstein, is also part owner of, of Swansea City um, and DC United now. And so over over the course of a few years, you know, I I you know done deals with with teams that were in a multi-club ownership group setup. Um, I've been a part of that with some clubs that I worked with. And so really taking those experiences with what I do now with Trivella Group as vice president of global football, you know, and, and in particular with Walsall is, you know, the way the day-to-day works is we're, you're, we're basically, you know, my, let me, I'll go through what my role with Trivella Group is for you. Um, so really my, my role with Trivella Group is as we're looking to source acquisitions, you know, doing due diligence, you know, on, on potential acquisitions on the football side, infrastructure side, you know, the day-to-day operations, the, the upside of that potential acquisition. Um, and so then when you go into Walsall, uh, you know, day-to-day, you know, we're in regular communication. Our officers are in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm based in Houston, Texas, but I'm really in Europe one week a month uh, and, and, and going by Walsall. And so we'll be in regular communication with the board. Uh, we'll be in regular communication with our CEO, Stefan, who does an incredible job. Um, we have weekly calls with our coaching staff um, and, our, and our head coach, Michael. Um, and so really, I think what's important when, you know, when you're building out this multi-club ownership group model is that you, very, you have very regular uh, meetings, you're in constant communication, you need to get into market on a regular basis to, to feel what's going on as well. Um, and that's what's really exciting about the job that that I'm 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 really enjoying. No, that's awesome to hear because even even just sort of digging digging a little bit deeper into that. Obviously, with Trivella Group coming in, you've you've got Benjamin who's coming as co-chair alongside Lee. He was already there. Stefan, the CEO, is obviously still involved in the football club as well. So just sort of talk to me about the structure and and, and how that's sort of working and. Because obviously, I think it's interesting how the existing management and leadership is still in place, and you guys have also come in as well. So, how has that sort of worked from a culture perspective, and how would Trivella add into the to the culture that's been built by the guys there? Yeah, well, first let me say I'm 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 very blessed to be working with such a talented group of executives and really good people with Trivella Group, led by our managing director Ben Boycott. Um, there we have we have a great group. Um, you know, Ben is also the the co-chairman at at Walsall. So he and I are in, in communication, you know, numerous times throughout the day about different things going on. Um, and so really what really one main attraction for us to Walsall was was how great the leadership was there. You know, we had, you know, Stefan uh, Gamble, who you mentioned, is our CEO. I mean, he's been there for over 20 years. Dan Mole, our chief operating officer, has been there for over 20 years. Lee Palmlet is is a life lifelong Walsall fan. Um, he's he's incredibly successful in in businesses he's been involved with. So that was a real attraction for us that there was already great leadership in place where we didn't feel. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes I think when you go into these situations, you just make changes for the sake of making changes, right? But that was the real attraction for us, that there was such a great 
stable group of leaders already in place. And, and those guys, I mean, we're in touch with them. You know, we're on calls with them weekly. Um, we're in meetings with them, you know, all the time when we're over there and, and, and they're great people. And so I think that was a, a real important aspect of this acquisition. No, that's awesome. And just, just digging a little bit deeper to some of the points that you mentioned there, in terms of your role as, as VP of global football, how are you sort of assisting to really drive forward the football operations at Warsaw? Because as we know, Warsaw is a, is a huge club with, with a lot of history. And I listened to Ben at the press conference speak about pushing to get back into League One and then fighting to get into the championship from there. And, and I think that's a really strong, strong vision that a lot of fans can get behind. But just sort of talk to me about the day-to-day and the strategies that you've implemented since June to, to now and the things that you're hoping to, to add in the future. Absolutely. Well, I'll just touch upon a little bit more of my role. So I already touched upon the, the sourcing of, of potential acquisitions. Another big part of my role is building synergies between our soccer entities. Uh, and that that is that's a huge part of my role. And then also with our acquisitions, Wall Solves, our first acquisition, okay, how can I share my experiences in football, you know, to help to help continue to implement implement process and structure that's important for us at Trivella Group, right? But I will say, Paul, something that I think is really, really important is you have to listen. You know, I mean, I think listening and, and learning is, is, a, is a major part of this. I mean, and I think that's something that's really served me well throughout my career, you know, from my time in Montreal, that was like a big market with a big budget, you know, big names, you know, very, you know, very European influence. And then I, I went to Houston, that was basically the lowest budget in Major League Soccer, you know, a, a different market, a very Latin market, um, where we had to really... In, you know, modify our strategy to find success here. And so now I'm taking those different experiences from a player and working in the front office the last 12 years over to Walsall. But I think a big part of that is you have to, you have to understand that there's a, there's a, there's a really important history at, at, at a club like Walsall. I mean, you know, for close to 130 years, I mean, that's been a, that's, that that's been an important club. Right. And, and so for us, I think, you know, gaining gaining knowledge of the community, understanding the working class nature of of the Midlands and the Black country, you know, understanding you know how everything operates in the Birmingham area and what Walsall means, you know, to that area. So I think a big part of what we've been doing as well, Paul, is listening, learning, and I think that level of respect is something that we've really gotten great feedback on. That, you know, because, you know, it's normal, right? When you're a foreign owner, you come in, you know, people are always kind of on edge and they're like, oh, what is it? you know, but I think, I think that that, that people have really seen that we genuinely respect the history of the club and that we're looking to just make steady and incremental improvements. So same, same thing goes for my role. Okay. You know, there's experiences that I can learn from Stefan Gamble or, or Lee Palmer or Dan Mole and Mike or Michael Flynn, right? But there's experiences I've had as well over you know the last you know 25 plus years that can be additive. So I think really it's just collaborating, listening, and then and then really striving towards steady and incremental improvement. 
I think that's a really useful point that you mentioned there in terms of not just coming in and ripping up the rule book, but really having that that sort of fact finding and listing approach, just sort of taking taking things a little bit further um, and, and digging a little bit deeper in, into some of the stuff that you mentioned there. I think a big thing that stands out to me is Warsaw when I think about Warsaw as a football club is the success that the academy has had over the years in producing players like Rico Henry, who we see now at at Brentford, people like Troy Dean, who've had great Premier League careers, people like Scott Dan. I know recently you did a talk with the academy, speaking of the players and the parents. Just sort of talk to me about your plans with the academy, your plans in terms of recruitment, how that's going to work uh, in terms of driving Warsaw into where the fans want to be. Absolutely. Well, I, I will say that you know, what one factor of, of many that attracted us to, to Walsall is the population density of that part of England. You know, I mean, there's there's a huge population density. It is a very competitive market, obviously, with, with Wolves and Aston Villa and Birmingham and, you know, so many really strong football clubs in the area. But we believe that we can really provide a, nit, a niche um, because at the end of the day, you know, an academy player maybe coming up through at Aston Villa, you know, it, it's going to be a lot more challenging to get first team minutes, right? Where, you know, the player pathway that we're able to provide to Walsall, I mean, that's an important aspect of, of our model, right? Is, is being able to provide a player pathway and a platform to, for guys, like you just said, Rico, Rico Henry at Brentford or Elijah Adebayo, you know, at, at Luton Town, you know, right now we have Liam Kinsella, who's playing for us, who's came from our academy, Ronan Mayer, who we just signed, who's, who's also featuring with the, with the Irish U19s. Uh, and so I think that that pathway is really important and, and there's a lot of benefit, you know, being in a league one or league two club where you really are reliant upon those young players to, they need to play meaningful minutes. So I think that's, that's where we see there's a real opportunity in that, that part of England. Um, I think, you know, there's also, you know, there's a lot of players that don't maybe stick with a bigger, you know, EPL club, you know, and, and for whatever reason it didn't work out and they want to, they wanted to get a, a fresh start you know, an academy like ours, right? And, and so I think that there's a lot of potential. Um, we've talked a lot with Rob Williams, our academy director, who is very, very dedicated and, you know, talked a lot about, okay, you know, what's, what's, what are, what's important for Trivella Group as we're continuing to, to grow and build our multi-club model with Walsall in particular. So those are a lot of the things that we're talking about as well as, you know, how can we build more, more, vertical integration with with our pre-professional phase and our first team group um you know we've got a lot of good young talented players i mean you look at guys that not didn't necessarily come from our academy but guys like isaac hutchinson and liam gordon and tom knowles and jacob maddox i mean these are good young talented players that are still in their early 20s that we think there's a lot of upside for with a club like us no that's awesome I'm going to let you grab a quick drink before we go into part two, because I'm conscious of the fact that we've been talking for quite a while now and allow the listeners to hear from one of our ASD partners. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the episode. It's Austin from Huddle. Huddle are a global leader in performance analysis and player recruitment, supporting over 7,000 elite organisations globally to improve their understanding of performance and empowering them to make smarter recruitment and performance decisions through world-leading software, 
hardware and professional services, including SportsCode, Wemu, and Wisecout. We're proud to be a key ASD partner, providing a wealth of support and education to members over the last three years. If you want to learn more about how Huddle can help you, visit huddle.com forward slash ASD podcast. Remember to follow and subscribe to the ASD podcast on Spotify, Apple, or your chosen platform. Now, back to the episode. So Matt, I think one thing I really want to, to, to know and understand is obviously from, from sort of Montreal, that was your sort of first experience coming out of playing, and then you then went into Houston. Just sort of talk to me about when you went into Houston and versus when you were at Montreal, what are the key things that you sort of learned as you were sort of developing in the role? Yeah, absolutely. Well, one, my role was I was technical director at Montreal. So, you know, I really, my sole, not my sole focus, but a big part of my focus was, was with the first team there. Whereas when I went to Houston as the vice president and general manager, my, my responsibility shifted where, you know, I was overseeing the first team. I was overseeing our, started our, our reserve team uh, that was playing in the US, USL and then oversaw our whole development academy. So the role was a bigger role with more responsibilities. But the other thing I'd say that was, was a unique, as I kind of touched upon earlier, Paul, is, you know, Montreal was a, is, a, is a big market, a big budget team, very demanding. You know, I was really fortunate up there that we were able to win, you know, two Canadian championships when I was there and, and you know, make a good run in the CONCAP Champions League. Shifting when I came to Houston, you know, and is, is it's a totally different market. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very, um, very Latin market. Um, you know, here in Houston, you know, we had, we were always, if not the lowest payroll in Major League Soccer. Um, you know, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have a sports science department. We didn't have uh, a recruitment department. So really had to kind of strip it down. And so I, I think that was an important evolution for me as an executive is that, okay, look, and I really loved that challenge as well. And so, you know, for us, I knew, hey, we had to have, we were going to be a low budget team here, you know, so we had to shift our strategy. So really, you know, focus on getting getting, you know, down into, you know, markets in South America, like Argentina and Colombia and Honduras and Central America, Panama, and really going, you know, getting young, dynamic, you know, hungry, fast, you know, just really eager players uh, mixed with a good base of American players. And, and really that was our strategy here, a little bit different than Montreal, where we went more for like, you know, Marco DeVaio, Ignacio Piatti, Alessandro Nesta, that were really established veterans here we were a really young, dynamic team, and it really served us well. You know, it, it helped. I mean, we, we made a Western Conference final. Uh, we we won an Open Cup. We made a CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinal. So what I really learned is that, you know, you really have to be adjust and be specific to the market you're working in. And so now going to the EFL in England, you know, it's a different you know, I, I haven't worked in the EFL for the last 20 years. So, you know, we've really, myself and, and you know, led by Ben Boycott and, and our executive team, you know, we've really had to really dig in and, and listen and learn. And I really have enjoyed the challenge of taking these different experiences and now, you know, learning how to pivot and adjust and, and implement certain strategies and a plan in that market in England, you know. So it's been a great challenge that I'm really fortunate to have. 
No, that's that's really fascinating. Uh, some of the stuff that you mentioned there in terms of working with different budgets and, and the sort of the things that you learned there. Just just sort of reflecting on, on, on those points, what what advice would you have for, for sporting directors and up and coming sporting directors in terms of they've got little to no resources, the clubs on the tight purse strings, as a lot of EFL clubs are, especially coming out of the back end of COVID and a lot of the financial restraints that a lot of clubs have. How, how did you really survive in 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 the challenging moments there, having to because obviously like it's not as easy, it's not easy and it's difficult. How did you almost really survive in those moments? Well, look, I think I think the 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 biggest thing is that you have to be you have to be really ready to you know put in a tremendous amount of work, and you have to be ready to really suffer and sacrifice a lot, right? That's I, I think anybody that's in any sporting director or football executive role will tell you, you know, that it's not, it's not a nine to five job. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's 24 seven, you know, three, almost 365. I mean, usually you get new year's day off and Christmas day off. So, so it's, it's nonstop role. So I think, you know, the, so I think that's important that you got to be really be ready to, you know, put in the work. The second thing is, I think you really have to have a growth mindset. And I think you have to be open to, you know, to, you know, not be so set in your ways that you're not willing to say, hey, you know what, I need to adjust. I mean, I think that's a really big, big part of that role is you have to be willing to, you have to be willing to adjust and you, you can't get too set in your ways and, and you have to under, and you have to listen as well. Um, but at the end of the day, you're in that leadership role and you have to make key decisions, you know? So I think in a smaller budget, smaller market team, I think the key is surrounding yourself with good people um, that, that complement your, that, that, you know, complement you as an executive, right? So you, you have a certain set of strengths. I think, you know, the mistake people make is they bring in people around them that they're too much like them. Where actually, I think what you really should be doing is is really being able to be self-reflective and say, "Hey, these are my best qualities. These are areas that could really, you know, th this role can really help me in this way, this way, and this way." And I think that's where you see executives that are successful in smaller clubs, right? And and that are able to continue to punch above their weight. No, just just building on that as well, because I think that's a really important point in terms of team and team dynamic and building that your own team. Just sort of talk to me about in terms of how, how you sort of approach that, because obviously you mentioned there in terms of looking and finding people that, that was sort of different to you and that could add something, whether that, I don't know, it was in academy development, scouting, recruitment. How were you sort of seeking out and sourcing these people? Was it leveraging your own network? Was it speaking to to different people who, who you know who could connect you with somebody? Just sort of break that down a little bit more for me. Yeah, look, I think you you use your network, you know, I mean, you know, always getting, you know, feedback uh, from, from your counterparts, I think is, is really, really important um, when you're deciding to bring on anybody in, in any specific role. Um, the other thing I would say is I'm a big believer that you, you want to always bring in staff that, that it's more than a job. You know, I mean, to me, it's, it's just, it has to be, people that's more than a job where they love they love football you know when the team wins I mean they feel that win and there you feel their joy when you when you know I've been a part of teams 
you know, where we're winning, you know, we've won a championship and, you know, to see how rewarding it is for one of our administrators or an equipment staff member or, or a medical staff member, right? Those guys all work hard or when it's someone in your scouting department, they put in so many hours. So I think it's really important to bring in people that really love football and care about football, um, that understand it's more than a job. And, and, and really, they, they really care about the success of their group. Um, the other thing I would say, it's really important to bring in staff that are hungry and that are eager to learn and to grow and, and they want to get better. Um, and, and, I, and again, that just for me, it goes back to that growth mindset. I mean, look, I've, I've worked as an executive for a long time. And my role now with Trivella Group, it's different. You know, I mean, it's different than my role with Montreal. You know, the day-to-day -day is different than it was with Houston. So I'm enjoying that challenge. But if I don't adjust, you know, to my new role and working in another country and, you know, all these different things, you know, then you're not going to be successful. So I think when, you know, going back to your question of what I think it's important to look for when you're hiring staff, I think that's, those are some things that really stand out to me. And also competent, qualified people, you know, I mean, that, that are really ready to get their hands dirty and roll up their sleeves. No, that's, that's super useful. And, and zooming forward, what does the future look like, Matt? Obviously, you mentioned how you're you're currently in the process of sourcing teams. You've mentioned why Warsaw. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you were looking at other clubs at the time as well. Just, just sort of talk to me what the future looks like and 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 how you can build a sort of synergized uh, model here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, I think for us, you know, Walsall, the acquisition of Walsall and the EFL has been, it's been a great process um, for, for us as a group, um, you know, led by Ben Boycott. And, and, and I've really, you know, what's been great, I think, is that, you know, taking, you know, I mean, it's not like you just say, hey, you're going to buy that one club, right? I mean, you're looking at, you know, a lot of clubs. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of clubs that are on 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 the market for sale, right? But it's how do you get from a list of a hundred clubs to you know that those one or two clubs you're looking at. So I think we've really learned some important filters that that have been helpful for us um, as we're sourcing our next acquisitions. Um, one, you know, we want there have they have to be a well-run business. Um, you know, two, you know, countries that are good, you know, you can do good business in. You know, three, they have good, solid infrastructure with stadium, training facilities, and there's a capacity for growth um, to move up, move up the ranks, which we see in Walsall, um, sustainably run businesses um, that aren't carrying high levels of debt, uh, which has been a real, real positive with Walsall and an extremely well-run business. Um, Stefan Gamble, again, has done a great job there. Um, and then, you know, I would say, you know, there's also a big aspect of, Okay, is there is there non game day revenue streams, right? And that, and that's another thing that you're seeing a lot more in North America that I think is really coming along in Europe, is you know okay, are there alternative revenue streams besides just player sales and and besides just getting promoted, right? And so I think those we're taking those filters as we source our next clubs and really looking at okay, hey, how are we gonna you know our next acquisition build synergies with with Walsall you know, then build towards a flagship club and then have, have uh, again, that, that integration and those synergies where, you know, we're able to move players and staff and, and we're able to, I mean, also for, I will say, Paul, like it's important. We're not like 
in this for like a two or a year, like kind of buy and flip situation. We want to we want to do this for the long haul um, with our acquisitions and make a lasting and meaningful impact in the communities that that we are we are involved with. Um, so I think that long term, those are kind of the things that we're thinking about. If that if that helps you. No, that's super useful. And, and I think one of the key points you mentioned there, which which we're seeing right now as we speak, is a lot of clubs are up for sale. And we're seeing a lot of professional investors like yourselves, like the Trivella groups of this world, coming into football. Having been a technical director, what advice do you have for a technical director or anyone who sort of works within a club about, about what that shift and change is like when, when a new ownership group kind of comes in? Yeah, I've been a, I've been a part of a few ownership group changes. Um, and, you know, it, it's hard. It, it's hard. You know, it creates it creates, um, you know, it's normal, right? It's human nature, right? You, when there's a change in ownership and new leadership coming in, I, I think that that it, it's normal that there's a little bit of like, ah, what's this mean for, for me and my job and all that kind of stuff. My biggest advice for any technical director or any really staff member that's working in a club when they go through a change in ownership is just, just do your job and do it well, you know? And, and I think that that's the biggest thing is, and, and, and make sure that you're prepared to, to, you know, when asked questions about, Hey, you know, why this, why this, why this, you know, there's, there's, there's a, a very clear thought process behind the why, why do we do this? Why do we do that? Um, so to me, that's what I've always done when I've been through ownership changes. And I, you know, look, I've, I've been through ownership changes where I worked for one owner and I stayed for multiple years with a new ownership group. And I was very blessed that they, you know, thought that I was you know, very qualified and competent in what I did. Um, but I think the biggest thing when that happens, Paul, is you just, you got to keep your head down and you got to do your job and you got to do it well. Super, super useful there, Matt. Loads and loads and loads of gems there that people can kind of take away. But a final question, just reflecting back, and I think this has been maybe good for yourself as well, reflecting back on the journey and where things are going for yourself and, and Trivella Group. If you could go back and give Matt Jordan, when he started at Montreal as a technical director, advice, what would you go back and tell him? Um, I would go back and I would I would tell him <laughs> be you know i think what i've learned over the years is is just being being you know you got to be patient you know you got to be patient and and you know i as a player you know i was i was a very you know i mean i had a respectable career very like you know working class you know hard working you know you know just just sacrificed a lot throughout my career and and i think those those qualities of player have served me really well as, as I transition into working in the front office. So my advice would be to be patient, um, you know, and, and back to what I said earlier, you know, th th this is a, an emotional roller coaster, you know, working in football is an emotional roller coaster. And so there's moments I would go back and say, Hey, you know, instead of it being like this, you know, be, you know, continue to be steady. And sometimes you only learn that, you know, through, through dealing with challenging moments, right? And and I can tell you, I'm a much more patient and person, and 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 a lot more uh, uh, manage the ups and downs a lot better now than I did when I first started as a football executive. Um, so that would be my biggest advice, I guess, to any any young technical director, or any young 
person that's moving into an executive role. No, that's super useful. Matt, thank you for your time and featuring on the ASD podcast. Have a great day and uh, thanks for your time. No, Paul, I really appreciate it. And I love, I'm honored to be a part of the association and and I really believe in everything that, that we're doing to make a difference in football with the initiatives we're working on. So I really appreciate what you're doing as well. Hey, it's Andy from Zone 7. In the time it takes to read out this ad, our proprietary AI could have analyzed your training and game data, informed you which of your players were at increased risk of injury, and suggested how your staff could reduce that risk by simulating optimal workload strategies for the week ahead. If you want to find out more about how it does this, visit zone7.ai and click Request a Demo to start up a conversation. Now, back to the episode.